You're listening to Sermons at FCC Moorhead, a podcast of sermons preached at First Christian Church in Moorhead, Kentucky. A congregation in the Christian Church Disciples of Christ tradition, we are a faith community seeking to live out Christ's call of hospitality and shalom. I'm Reverend Nancy Galler, minister at FCC, and each week we'll post the latest sermon preached from our pulpit. Most weeks you'll hear my voice, but from time to time you'll find guest preachers on this podcast too. Thanks for listening. invite you to take a moment. You may want to close your eyes if it helps, but I want you to picture a door. You pick the door from your own experiences, perhaps a door to a home or a place you've worked or even a door you've walked by. Or maybe imagine a door from a book that you've read or a movie you've seen. Just picture a door. And consider that door you're picturing in your mind. What do you notice about it? Is it old or is it new? Is it large and looming or is it one that blends into its surroundings? What is your door made of? What color is it? Are there windows in it? And as you stay with that mental image of your door, is it open or is it closed? Is it locked or unlocked? Do you know where it leads? And from where you're picturing the door, are you looking at the inside of the door or the outside? Now I'm going to ask you to picture something else. I want to invite you to imagine a gate now, not a door, but a gate. And once you've settled on an image of a gate, take notice of it. Is it a short gate or a tall one? Is it made out of wood, metal, plastic? Is it old or is it new? Is it open or shut? If it's shut, is it locked? And from your vantage point of the gate, can you see what's on the other side of it? When you're ready, I invite you to open your eyes. Our reading today contains two I am statements by Jesus. I am the good shepherd, which is at the end of the reading, and I am the gate. Now remember, in John's gospel, I am statements are meaningful. They are self-revelatory of Jesus. They hearken back to God's response to Moses' question, the beginning in Exodus, when God gives God's name as I am who I am. In John's gospel, Jesus echoes that divine name from Exodus and that authority from his faith tradition, and he also offers clues to his own identity, clues which both reveal 
and conceal who he is. I am the gate, Jesus says, and the word that's translated as gate can also mean door or simply an entrance, an opening, a way into or a passage into a vestibule. All of those things can be that same word. It's the same word we hear in the story of the risen Christ appearing to Thomas. We read that a couple of weeks ago. Though the doors, the door were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Gate, door, entrance, passageway into, they all have similar functions, but they can look quite different from one another, can't they? When I asked you to picture a door, what did you see? What did your door look like? Was it sturdy? Was it like the fabled door of Durin in Tolkien's Lord of the Rings? Massive and imposing with carvings over the archway. Or perhaps you imagine a more everyday door, a welcoming front door, or even a familiar back door. When I asked you to picture a gate, what did you imagine? Was it a gate to a garden? A gate that blocked a roadway or a field? A gate on a military base? The gate to a park or a private residence? The images that come to our minds shape how we understand Jesus' words here. What might Jesus mean when he says, I am the gate? At first, Jesus' words in our reading seem to come out of left field, don't they? Suddenly, chapter 10, verse 1, he throws down a very truly, which means he's serious, in case you didn't know, quite serious. This is a verily, verily in the King James Version. The Greek here is amen. He's saying amen, amen. N.T. Wright's translation puts it this way. I'm telling you the solemn truth. And then Jesus dives into this talk of sheepfolds and gates of thieves and brigands and gates and shepherds and doorkeepers and pastures. And it can be bewildering. Is he the gate or is he the gatekeeper? Is he the shepherd or is... What is he? But these bewildering statements are not given in a vacuum. If we look back to the previous chapter, to chapter 9, we find this very extended healing controversy of the man born blind. It was the scripture text for us on the fourth Sunday of Lent. You may remember the story. As the disciples and Jesus were walking along the way, the disciples see a man born blind, and their first response is to ask, did he sin or did his parents? And Jesus, I picture him shaking his head, saying, no one, you goofballs. <laughs> That's not in the original Greek. But then he goes on to say, I am the light of the world. And he proceeds to spit on the ground, and he makes some mud, which he smears on the man's eyes, and then he tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam, which the man does, and his eyes are restored, and it's a happy, happy day, except that's when all the trouble starts in the story. Do you remember? Because his neighbors can't quite believe it, and they're confused, and they start to interrogate him. There is no joy, there is no thanksgiving for his healing they even drag him before the religious leaders who are more concerned with were the religious rules followed here 
or not. No joy, no thanksgiving. And then they drag his parents in for questioning, and the same thing happens again, and they bring the man back for a second time. No thanksgiving, no joy. Just accusatory questions until they lose patience and they throw him out. And Jesus hears all about this ruckus, and he goes and he finds the man, and he speaks with the healed man again. And it's then in that second conversation that the man expresses his belief in Jesus. Jesus says to the man, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see and those who do see may become blind. And then the writer tells us there are a few religious leaders standing around listening to this conversation and all of a sudden they are indignant and they say, surely we are not blind, are we? And it's that question that leads directly into chapter 10. You see, Jesus is still talking to them. He's still talking to those religious leaders, the ones who were so sure of their religious traditions, the ones who could not find joy in the healing of a man who had been born blind, but instead focused on the properness of the way in which he was healed. He's talking to them, those who were really blind, to the work of God that was unfolding right before their eyes. It's to those folks that Jesus says, I am the gate for the sheep. In other words, I think he's saying, I'm the one through which this man found a life of healing and wholeness. The presence of Jesus in this community and his ministry is a moment of judgment here on those same religious leaders who cannot see who Jesus is. It's through their reaction to the man's restored condition and their reactions to Jesus that we, the readers of John's gospel, can clearly see their blindness and perhaps that Jesus is the gate for us too. Jesus says, I am the gate, the door, the way into life, abundant life. But for those religious leaders, the gate was closed. It was a path that was invisible to them. In this passage, Jesus explores multiple roles of a gate in real life. When a gate is closed, it can offer protection. When there's a danger or a threat, the sheep pass through the gate and they find safety and shelter. And then when a gate is opened, it can offer a path of liberation and abundance. Look, just outside the gate, there are green pastures. Now you can have the freedom to explore, to be fed, to relish in the fullness and abundance of this world. I think this passage is the inspiration for that evocative term that Fanny Crosby gave us in the hymn we sang this morning, Life Gate. Open the life gate. That's who Jesus is. The photo of a gate on your bulletin cover is one that I took back in 2007 while I was waiting in the queue to tour the Christopher Wren Library at Trinity College in Cambridge. The library is, was designed by the great architect 
Christopher Wren, who was tasked with rebuilding 52 churches in London after the Great Fire, including his masterpiece, St. Paul's. This library was designed in 1676. And the library is located on the second floor with a breezeway underneath. And the library's second floor has these big windows which let the light in from all directions. And here at the gate, the lines queue for the tours of this amazing structure. And I confess, I love taking pictures of doors and gates and archways. <laughs> my photo gallery on my phone is filled with close-ups of elaborate hinges that I see or doorways that captured my attention. And when I hear the word gate, it's this image that often comes to mind for me. Both sides of this gate are full and abundant. One is not better than the other side. The library is spectacular. It's overflowing with knowledge and ideas and wonder. And then just outside the gate, you can see the river Cam there. And there's green grass and trees and pathways and boats and punters and walkers everywhere. Both sides of the gate are places of abundance and plenty, and plenty. The saying of Jesus is often interpreted with a framework of who's in and who's out, which is one possible reading of the metaphor, but in many ways I think it is too limiting, far too focused on excluding people. I wonder if we can see the idea of Jesus as a gate in a different light as an alternative to the doors we choose to close and lock tightly, carefully allowing in only a select few. Remember when the, where the disciples were after Jesus' crucifixion? They were hiding behind locked doors. They were holed up in an upper room. They were scared. They were unsure. They, the locked door was a physical barrier to a world that they feared. And then Jesus appears to them. The risen Christ, no longer bound by doors or locks or time or space. Those disciples had been locked up not just by a door, but by their own fear a fear which overwhelmed them, leaving them no way out. They couldn't imagine an open door. Left to their own devices, they were unable to envision the freedom which the risen Christ was opening up for them. I think that's why I love the pairing of our readings this morning. This gospel reading paired with the passage from the book of Acts, those very disciples who were once fearful and locked behind a closed door now find themselves in a very different place in our Acts reading. It's almost too good to believe. The followers of Jesus, all those who had left their homes, their families in Galilee, and then after they experienced Christ's resurrection, after the day of Pentecost, after the gift of the Spirit, they are now living there in Jerusalem freely, 
You see, when their locked doors have been flung open by that same spirit, they don't rush off to the ends of the earth. They don't rush off back to home. They kind of stay put for a while. They focus their attention on figuring out how to live together as community in a new place, in a new city, in a new time, post-resurrection, with a new calling, with new guiding from the Spirit. They start to take up the task to build a new community together. And they begin that amazing journey with some very ordinary stuff, with all the little bits that make up their common lives. They start with food, of course, to the breaking of bread together, the sharing of meals with one another. And then at the same time they're sharing meals together, they're learning from one another too. They're listening to the stories and the teachings of the apostles and they're applying the teachings of Jesus to their daily lives and they're also praying together. They're worshiping in the temple, they're praising God together and all the while making sure that everyone in their community was provided for, that the needs of the community were met. Just everyday stuff. But the essential things of life and community, that's what was first opened up to them. Jesus says the gate leads them to this new community with all the joys and frustrations that come with living together. Intentionally committing to being in relationship with one another. The great Spanish mystic Teresa of Avila wrote, the Lord walks among the pots and pans. In the everyday necessary moments of our common life, that's where we may meet the risen Lord. And for this abundant living, Jesus is the access door to a new world, to a new way of being, not in some future home, in the by and by, but here and now, in the midst of our lives today. From those first fledgling communities, Jesus is the gate. Jesus opens up paths to other places, to new callings, to sharing this new way of seeing the world with the others. And the author of Luke Acts writes, and great awe fell upon them. Everyone who saw how these folks lived and worked and worshipped and learned and shared with one another, everyone was in awe of this community, amazed at this new way of living in the blessed realm of God. This is what Christ came for, he said. I came that they might have life and have it full to overflowing. This week I want to invite you to pray with the image of a gate or a door, perhaps the one that you brought to mind this morning, or maybe you want to take notice of doors or gates you pass this week. Take a photo. <laughs> Share it with me. <laughs> Draw a sketch. But allow the metaphor of a gate or a door to unfold meaning for you in your life at this moment. So when Jesus says, I am the gate, what do you hear? What do you need to hear from that today? Could it be that Jesus is inviting you in to find shelter 
in the midst of a storm in your life? Or is Jesus standing open inviting you to walk out to abundance and exploration, to new ways of thinking and being? Take that image that the Spirit is giving you as a gift this week. Because Jesus is saying to you, to all of us, at this moment, this time, in this place, I am the gate for you. Thanks be to God. Thanks for listening. We hope you found inspiration today. To learn more about our congregation, you can like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Until next time, be well, be kind, and always be the church where you are.